Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rambling Rev. I am your host, Pastor Scott Dalen, an ELCA pastor in Southwest Iowa, and I present these episodes every week for a couple of different reasons. The first of which is to take my brain out of the mode of background work over the course of the week and move into the process of preparing the sermon that I'll preach to my congregation for the weekend. That is the first. And the second is just to allow you, the listener, who have graciously given of your time to listen to me ramble for a few minutes to gain some different insight in the assigned text for the week. So that is why I do these. This particular Sunday, March 15th, 2020, the third Sunday in the season of Lent, our scripture lesson that I will be preaching from is coming out of Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Now, if you happen to catch last week's episode, you knew I deviated away from the gospel, which is what I usually preach on, and shifted into the Old Testament lesson. I am obviously doing so again. If you are curious, the assigned gospel text for this Sunday happens to be John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42, a very lengthy passage that focuses in on Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well and her experience with him and her call into discipleship and evangelism and then the eventual encounter with the rest of the Samaritans from the city because of her testimony to them. So that is the assigned gospel text, but as I mentioned, I'm preaching out of Exodus, and so I'm going with that rather than the gospel text. So I'm going to go ahead and read this passage, and then we will get into it. Exodus 17, 1 through 7. From the wilderness of Sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? All right, so that is the text. As we consider being in the book of Exodus, we, if you are familiar with what goes on there, you know it starts off with 400 years have passed since the relocation of Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, um, who followed his son Joseph to Egypt and the establishment of the people there and the growth of the Israelite people into a culture, a culture which ultimately ends up in slavery after a new pharaoh comes to power who does not know Joseph and remember him and the promise that was made. So we find that the people of Israel, the Israelite culture, really begin in slavery. It really becomes people or a a group in slavery. And what's interesting about this initial portion of Exodus is that we find God to be one who sides with the underdog, the one who sides with the marginalized, the one who sides not with the empire, but with the slaves and promises to be with them and shows displays of power that that display That, that sensibility manifests with the death of the firstborn, the 10th plague, and, and Pharaoh finally telling him to go, take your people and go. 
then they follow them to the Red Sea and Moses parts the Red Sea and the Israelites go through on dry ground and then the Israel or the Egyptians try and come in and the sea comes back and they all drown in that display of power. So the people have seen display after display after display of power on the part of God, seeing that God is with them. And then as they continue to travel, I always kind of joke around when I encounter many of these texts that they've been gone from Egypt for about five minutes. It's a little bit longer than that, but it's seriously not very long. And they begin to grumble. They begin to experience hardship, the hardships of travel, and uh, begin to ask the question, what are we going to do? And, and they come to Moses with that, because of course Moses is their leader, and he is the one that has to apparently deal with these things. But we've had them thirsty for water uh, one time before, and they encounter water, but it's bitter water. And then God performs a miracle through Moses and uh, sweetens the water. So they, they've had water to drink. They've had that experience already. And then they had times of being hungry and what are we going to eat? And we have the experience of the manna in the wilderness. That has all just happened. That's actually pretty much right before this individual situation. And then as we hear, they're going along and they're going along and they're going along and then they're thirsty. They're out in the wilderness and they're thirsty. There's no water to drink. And so they're going after Moses again. Moses gets all the good when things are happy and he gets all the blame when things are bad. Person of leadership, that's, that seems to be his lot with that. So they quarreled to him. They ask, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Again, real short memories. It seems that they're longing for Egypt because, hey, at least they had food, at least they had water. They seem to forget that they were in slavery. That short memory is at, or maybe they're operating from the idea of the devil that you know as opposed to the devil that you don't know. But they're facing the unknown. They're facing hardship. They're facing anxiety and concern. And so they take that to Moses. Moses apparently doesn't know what to do. And Moses takes it to God and God provides for them. Now, this whole water out of the rock thing is odd. It's interesting. Is it a miracle? Is it a situation where God just points out to Moses a place where there's some handy aquifer in the rock formation, and when he strikes it with a stone, it breaks the tiny little bit of rock that's holding it in, and the water comes out? I don't know. I read a commentary earlier this week that talked about the rock formations hold the water. The water is coursing through the rock. Life is coursing through the rock. We just can't see it at the surface. And a reminder that the wilderness is not necessarily a place of hardship, but it's a place of hidden treasures that God just desires to reveal to us if we are willing to look for them. I kind of like that, that idea. Regardless, this happens, and God once again provides for the people. Now, I think this little situation is humorous. We don't hear about it here, but later on, Moses will reference this again and will take credit for it. The people are grumbling against him once more. And he says, hey, who brought water out of the rock for you? And then he says, I did. He takes credit for what God did. And that, that offense is what ultimately stops Moses from being able to enter into the promised land, that pride or that, that sense where he tries to take credit for something that God has done instead of giving glory to God for it means God tells him, you will see the promised land, but you will not enter it. And my confirmation students always kind of chuckle at that or they laugh at that. Moses got to look at it and then he died bummer for him. But that's separate and yet connected to this. One more thing that I kind of want to talk about, the, the whole naming of the situation. He names the place Massah and Meribah. These are things that mean to test or to quarrel. Keep in mind the Hebrew language is usually very, very on the nose in terms of what names mean. They usually mean something specific and they do here again. But ultimately, it really kind of comes down to this question of concern this question of anxiety. Is the Lord in our midst or not? Is the Lord with us or not? Is the Lord 
think the actual translation when I worked on that earlier is the Lord in our midst or wherever or elsewhere or something of that nature. But it all, it all sort of boils down to the same thing. Is God with us or not? They've seen time and time and time again that God is with them. They have witnessed the presence of God in the form of cloud or in the form of uh, fire from within the cloud going before them. They've seen the presence of God in the, on the mountains in the form of the cloud. They've, they've seen over and over again. They've seen the miraculous situations that God has done for them. They've had experience that, yes, God is in our midst. Even later on, I, I explored further ahead in Exodus, and we continue to hear as they're doing the wanderings that the tabernacle is eventually built and that God dwells in the tabernacle. The presence of God is on the tabernacle in the form of cloud. Again, and when the cloud comes up from the tabernacle and goes in front of them, they follow it. When the cloud remains on the tabernacle, they stay there and they camp. So there is this ongoing history of, of course, God is in your midst. God has promised to be with you and has given you physical sights that you, you can see that. And yet that's the question. And I can't help but think that that's very applicable for us now as we consider current events. We, we have a global pandemic with the spread, the ongoing spread of coronavirus, and, and people don't know what to think, and there's lots of misinformation going around, and there's lots of questions, and there's lots of concern. And on the flip side, there's lots of people who think it's no big deal, and we don't need to be worried about it at all. And then you have people everywhere in between, and many people are asking the question, well, is, is God present? What do we do with that? What does our faith tell us in this times? And, and how do we hold on to our faith now in the times of unease, the times of great anxiety, the times of great unknown? How do we cling to the promises that have been made that God will never forsake us and that God is present? And yet that doesn't mean that we just ignore problems and that we can just say, oh, it's not a big issue. God will protect me. Well, no, that's not necessarily the case either. So I can't help but think that this is definitely something for us to think about now. Are we putting God to the test with the way that we respond to these concerns? Are we remaining faithful to care for our neighbors, to love, to, to love our neighbors as God has instructed us to do as we care for one another with our actions or with our inactions. Uh, that's all something to consider through all this. You know, there's so much that's going on in this passage that, that even though it was something that happened thousands of years ago, it's still applicable for us now here in the 21st century. So that's a lot of what's going on here, what's sort of happening in this passage. Uh, something that I'm really, from the standpoint of preaching, that I'm just wrestling with. I'm, I'm very much just living in that question. Is God among us or not? That seems to be the key and what we need to hold on to in the promise that God will not forsake us. And yet wondering, well, what does that look like for us today? So want to thank you for tuning into this. Uh, as always, if you happen to be listening on iTunes, you want to give us a rating and review that helps put this in front of more people. Uh, if you appreciate these and want to get them as soon as they come out every week, if you hit the subscribe button, they will just show up in your inbox on whichever various uh, uh, streaming service you happen to be on. So uh, thanks again. Hope you have a great week. Hope you are staying safe. Hope that you are staying healthy. And uh, may God bless us all in this time.